0: Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together. Flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these.
1: Good morning. How is everybody today? If you'll take out your bulletin inside, you'll find a listening guide. You guys will follow along with me. We're going to be in Ezekiel 37. Um, For those of you who have been with us, we've been going through a series through the book of James. And after preaching Sunday, I really felt impressed by the Holy Spirit that you guys needed a message of hope and encouragement. So today's message is going to be for you to uplift and encourage and to help you out. So, Ezekiel 37 is a special passage, and it's a passage some of you may not be familiar with, but basically a little backdrop. Ezekiel finds himself um, carried away captive into Babylon. And while he is proclaiming, you know, get ready, God's going to judge Israel and the nation's going to be destroyed, while he's there, um, Israel is ransacked in 586 B.C. by Nebuchadnezzar. The temple is destroyed. All hope is lost. Ezekiel has a wife, and we don't know exactly everything that happened, but his wife dies in the process. So here he finds himself carried away captive. His, his The love of his life has died, and all the hopes of Israel has been dashed to the ground. So he finds himself and the nation um, just hopeless. So today we're going to talk about how to find hope in hopeless situations. So we're going to be in Ezekiel 37, and um, if you guys will read along with me. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and said, behold, there were many in the valley. Indeed, they were very dry. Verse three. And he said, son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I commanded as I and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews of the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and I'll bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Let us pray together, Father. Your word is so powerful. And God, we ask and pray as we look into your word that you would speak to our hearts. God, I pray that this message that though it applied to Israel and showed that there was hope even though the nation was ransacked and the temples destroyed, I pray that this message would speak hope to your people today. Father, I pray that your spirit would encourage us. I pray that you would energize us and you would prepare us for the mission that you have for us in this life. We love you and we give you thanks in Jesus name we pray and all God's children said, amen. So I went to the lost and found and the dream that you lost has been found. The, the dream that you had that died as we read this text, there's hope for it coming back alive again. Many of you have seen dreams that have died. Many of you find yourselves in what seems to be insurmountable obstacles It seems like an impossibility. And as we read this question, I want to ask you, as we read this text, I want to ask you the question, does there, is there a dream in your life that needs resurrection? Is there an impossible situation that you need God to touch? If so, I I believe this passage um, is going to really speak hope to you. So how many of you need to be encouraged today? Say amen. All right. So we're going to talk about how to turn a nightmare into a dream. Number one, every dream starts with a nightmare. Every dream starts with a nightmare. Let's define nightmare. Nightmare is when life is not the way you thought it would be. A life, you plan it to be better than it is, and it's turned out worse than it is. So you don't need a dream unless life is not what you want it to be. So every dream starts with a nightmare. Look at verse one. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me. And brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Now, Ezekiel gets his vision and he's transported into this valley of dry bones. How many of you would want to sign up for a vacation like this? You know, it's like, God, I thought wherever you send me, it would be great. It would be glamorous. And here I am. First of all, I've been carried carried away into captivity. My wife has died and now I'm sitting in a graveyard full of bones. And I think many of us, when we think about that, we may not relate to all of it, but we've experienced situations that didn't seem right. If you notice in Ezekiel, he was in a really bad place. He was in a valley. A valley is a place of defeat. Some of us, as as we're listening to this message, we're in a valley. Some of you have family members who are sick. Some of you yourselves are sick. Some of you are having financial crisis. This is the valley. But not only was it a valley, but notice it was full of what? Bones. These bones, as we read later in verses 11 through 14, these symbolize the nation of Israel. The meaning of behind this text, this vision, is that this nation that seems like it's been destroyed, God can resurrect. So today's message is simply going to be a modern application for your life. What do you make of the bones in your life? What do you make of the valley that you've been through? Sometimes you realize you you don't need a dream unless you're in a nightmare. But I want you to notice that Ezekiel, notice it says the spirit of the Lord brought him to this place. I find it interesting that sometimes the most anointed servants end up in the most dire places. Sometimes you're like, God, I've been serving you I've been so faithful and I'm in this situation. Sometimes the most anointed servants end up in the driest places. So that may be an encouragement to some of you. I read a true story about a gentleman named Greg Thomas. At the time, he was 57, 56 years old and um guy from Minnesota. And he was sitting on the steps of this church that had been there a 100 years. And the steps were crumbling. The church was just in disarray. But he found his life in disarray. He found out that he had this terminal cancer. It was a neck cancer that could not be cured. And the doctor, his oncologist, basically said, you got to plan for your funeral. I'm sorry, but we can't operate. It's inoperable. Um, your, your family needs to plan this funeral. So Greg decided, you know what? He, he, he said a prayer. He didn't understand why he was going through this. But he said a prayer. He's like, God, in my last days left, I want to try to rebuild this church that's in disarray. The steps are crumbling. The pain is coming off the walls. So day by day, um, he decided he was going to change something. So he went to the association of the church and said, listen, I will repair this entire church as long as I have life. I've, I've got a terminal illness. I'm going to die. But only one condition. If you'll give me the keys to the church and I can worship anytime I want, I will by myself. It's going to take a long process, but I will rebuild the church. So he began to fix the paint and the steps. He began to go through every part of the building and he found interesting as he replaced the boards and as he began to do work on the church, he felt his body getting stronger and his oncologist was shocked and said, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. He went for another checkup. This is after three rounds of chemo, 40 rounds of radiation. He had lost 66 pounds, but he was still working on this church building and the. The oncologist was shocked because his tumors began to shrink. And a little over four years later, he found out that his cancer was in remission. His tumors were completely gone. And it was just a miracle. So to this day, um, every Christmas, Greg gives an announcement to the church. And I'm going to read you a quote. He invites the entire community for the Christmas service. And he says, While I was restoring the church, he said, God was restoring me. And sometimes you find yourself in a, in a dark place. Every dream begins with a nightmare. Greg found himself in a nightmare. But point number two from this text, every great miracle is preceded by great impossibilities. Every great miracle is preceded by great impossibilities. I want to remind you of a story that many of you are familiar with of Walt Disney. How many of you have been to Disney World before? Raise your hand. Well, the story of Walt Disney is quite interesting. Talk about a guy who faced impossibilities. Throughout his whole life, he was considered a reject. Um, They fired him from a local newspaper because they said he had no good ideas. In Kansas City, he couldn't sell his cartoons. And people began to hint around that maybe he had no talent. I understand from another story that his fiance ended the engagement at the time because she didn't see any future in Mr. Disney. So she ended the engagement. So... He found himself working at a church, believe it or not, doing graphic design. This is before graphic design was popular as it is today. And the church didn't pay him that much, so he ended up living in the garage of the pastor of the parsonage, and it was a mouse-infested garage. And one of those mice he named Mickey. That's where he got the idea for Mickey Mouse. So fast forward many years, Walt Disney persevered through all this affliction, all this turmoil, all this rejection. And in 1974, he had passed, he had went on, and Mrs. Disney was there beside the news reporter. Many of you may remember Walter Conkright. And the news reporter wanted to say some encouragement to Mrs. Disney. And I'll read to you what what he said. Wouldn't it be great if Walt were here today to see what we see? And Miss Disney wisely replied, if Walt had not seen first this, you would not be seeing it today. If what had not been seen at first, you wouldn't be seeing it today. So here's the thing. Many of you are facing impossibilities. Many of you feel like you're in a pit of dry bones or there's no hope. But I'm here to tell you today, there is hope. And if you look at this pit, look back at verses two through three. He calls me to pass around them. Can you imagine walking on bones that they're crunching and they're cracking at your feet and Ezekiel's like, you know, I've preached to some hard audiences before, but you're now asking me to preach to dead bones. Has anybody ever preached to a dead audience before? I don't know if I ever have, but uh <laughs> just kidding. So let's look at these bones. They were many. It was a whole soldiers, that whole army of soldiers that had died. And notice that they were in the valley. So scholars speculate this vision. It's illustrative of usually the enemies in the mountain and you're in the valley and he they shot down all this, all these soldiers. Not only were they dry, but the Bible says they were what? Very dry. So it's pretty bad to be dead and in the valley and your body disembodied all over the valley floor. But it's even worse when those bones are bleached out. I mean, if anyone would say, can these bones live? Most of us would say absolutely not. But they were not just in the valley, but they were in the place of defeat. So these bones were at the wrong place. They were in the valley and they were at the wrong time. They were dead. Have you ever thought that you're in the wrong place at the wrong time? Maybe your prime has passed you by. Maybe you thought life would have been so much better. You thought it'd be a bed of roses, but end up being a lot of thorns. Can I hear? Uh Uh-huh. So what do you do? What do you do when dreams have died? What do you do when presently you face insurmountable obstacles that you can't get through? You have to realize that if God can bring dead bones back together, he can bring your dead dreams to life again. In Joel 2.25, you guys may want to write this down, not in your notes, but it says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I will restore to you. So many of you, the locusts, you know, the grasshopper is a crazy animal. It causes a lot of noise. It spits out that brown stuff. I don't know if you ever observed grass. I mean, they're crazy insects. But they're destructive. And what Joel says is that the years that the destruction is eaten away, God can restore. And some of you are like, well, Timothy, I don't have much time left. One thing you're forgetting, you're going to live for eternity if you're in Christ. You're going to live eternally with Him. So I truly believe that dreams will come true, whether on this side or the next. God has a plan. Amen. So every dream starts with a nightmare. Every miracle is preceded by great impossibilities. Number three, every impossible mess can be turned into a possible miracle. Every impossible mess can be turned into a possible miracle. So, Many of you are familiar with George Mueller, the famous minister. Uh, This is back in the year 1877, before any of us were even a thought in the world. Um, He had a preaching engagement, and he embarked. It was off this boat by the name of Sardian off Newfoundland. And he had a certain place to get. He had to be there at a certain time. The problem was there was fog, and the captain was basically stopped at the dock For 24 hours. And George Mueller basically never missed a preaching opportunity in 54 years. He'd never been late. Always on time. So he went to the captain. And he said, I must be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. I need to get there. i got a preaching engagement. You have to get me there. The captain said, it is impossible. There's no way we're getting to Quebec. Have you not seen the fog? Mr. Mueller said, no, my eye is not on the density of the fog but on the living God who controls every circumstance of life. At this point, the captain thinks this guy's insane. He's like, what kind of insane asylum has he come from? Because he doesn't realize you can't set sail in fog. So George Mueller said, you know what? We're going to go downstairs in your chamber. We're going to pray. So they went down and he prayed. And then the captain was getting ready to pray. And George Mueller said, don't pray for two reasons. Number one, you don't believe it's God's will. And number two... I believe that God has already answered my prayer. There's no need for you to pray about it. So, George Mueller prayed this little childlike prayer that the fog would clear, that God would just do a miracle. So, the captain went up on the deck, and guess what? The fog had cleared. It had been a supernatural miracle. And the captain reported later on that George Mueller was one of the most devoted men he had ever known. And it was just a childlike faith. Like, God, I, I got a preaching. I have to clear the, clear the fog. Some of you right now are in a fog and you need to pray that God will clear it. Because when you're in a fog, you lack perspective. When you're in a fog, it's hard to understand why God is doing what he's doing. So if you came into a fog today, my prayer, simple George Mueller prayer, is that you'll leave and the fog will be clear. It may not mean your situation changes, but it may mean your perspective on your situation changes. So how do you turn an impossible situation into a possibility? I'm glad you asked that question. If you look on your listening guide, there's three steps. Every impossible mess can be turned into a possible miracle. There's, excuse me, I said three. I give you a bonus. There's four steps. Number one, speak God's word to your impossible situation. Look, look at verse four in the text. Again, he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and flesh on you and cover you with a skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know I am the Lord. Now, how many of you would like the assignment from God to talk to dead bones? Would anyone like today to be able to go in a graveyard that's open and talk to dead people. I could just imagine Ezekiel kind of looking around in my mind. Is there anyone here? Okay, no one's in this valley. So I'm not going to embarrass myself. So he just starts preaching. Have you guys ever preached your problems before? Have you ever tried that? That's not just for someone who stands up on the pulpit. It's for everybody. If you want your impossible situation to be turned into a possible miracle, you have to proclaim God's truth over it. Because God's truth is the only one who can change things. Think about it like this God is the one who spoke the world into existence. He spoke and the world was created. Have you ever thought about speaking God's word to your situation? Do you think God could recreate it? Do you think God could change it? I do. So, step one if you want to turn your mess into a miracle, you have to proclaim God's truth over your situation. Number two, keep doing God's will. Until you see God begin to work in your lifeless situation. Keep doing God's will until you see God work life into your lifeless situation. Look at the next verse. There's one problem. So he prophesied and all of a sudden these bones start rattling. I can just imagine it's a small little rattle, small little sound. And all of a sudden the hip bones connected to the. And all these bones start connecting get together. And it's a skeleton. And the skeleton standing up. And all of a sudden you see muscle coming. I mean, you think about the miracle. And I know we have some doctors in here, so you guys could help me. But basically, a skeleton is just the support system, right? So all of a sudden you have a support system come in place. And all of a sudden, the support system's not good enough. You need muscles and you need ligaments and you need dermis and you need epidermis. And all the body's coming together. And it's like this mess is turned into a miracle. But you know what? There was no breath in them. There was one thing missing. So that brings us to step three. Continue to persevere until God completes what he started. So here's the thing. This miracle has already started, but yet it's still lifeless. And it's interesting, the Hebrew word for breath in, in this text is, is the Hebrew word ruah, And it's the same word used of the Spirit of God in Genesis 1. And it's interesting, the parallel, because in Genesis one, the world was form and void is formless and didn't had had this void. And it said the spirit of God hovered over the world. And all of a sudden, God spoke and he brought order out of disorder. He brought calm out of chaos. And you fast forward into Ezekiel several thousand years later. And the same God that did this, all of a sudden, you notice breath enters into these skeletons. And I think this is illustrative to your life. I really believe we're given applications from this text. I, as I said, the meaning of it has to do with Israel. But the application is true for us. Is, you remember in Ephesians 2 when we did the series it says you were dead? We had the structure. We had the bones. We had the muscle. But we didn't have the Spirit of God in our lives. And all of a sudden the Spirit of God that made these dry bones live makes us come alive in Christ. It's a spiritual resurrection. So all of us... Have experienced this miracle? Have you thought about it in those graphic terms? You were those dead bones lying. You may have been dead bones walking around, but you didn't have the Spirit of God inside of you until you gave your life to Christ. And the moment you give your life to Christ, the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all of a sudden God breathes into you new life. And those dead bones, <sighs> you're, you're walking around with new life. It says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man or woman is in Christ, he or she is what? A new creation. The old life, the skeleton life is gone. And guess what? You're a new person. You're a mighty warrior. Maybe that's why Paul in Romans 8 says that you're more than conquerors. You think about this Ezekiel image, this battle, this army. The lifeless army is nothing. But when the army comes together... The spirit of the Lord comes upon them. We're all of a sudden soldiers for Christ. It makes me think, um, my friend Jerry's in the back and uh, we've been challenging each other working out. So I'm trying to get rid of my preacher gut. I don't know if you notice, but a lot of pastors start getting in the midsection. You guys ever notice that? It's called the preacher. It's, I've heard it said the chicken graveyard. You know, pastors eat all this chicken and, you know, the pastor starts getting, you have to, you know, loosen your belt buckle. Well, I saw that starting to happen, and I'm like, oh, I'm becoming one of those pastors with the, the, the pastor gut. So um, so anyways, the other day, I, I've been running. So I went to this park, and I was like, okay, i got to run three miles, and i got to get my exercise. So as I was running, it had rained the day before. And nobody told me when you run the day before, sometimes the conditions aren't the best. I'm a novice runner, so I'm just learning. So all of a sudden, uh, I started running. And, you know, some of the ground's a little wet. But even worse, there were gnats everywhere. And as I was running, the gnats were just flying in my face. One got in my eye. And did I slow down during that time or did I speed up? You better believe I sped up. I wasn't going to hang out with those gnats. And I think sometimes in life, we're in a race and circumstances happen. Instead of speeding up to get through it faster, we hang out with the gnats. And our perspective is cloudy and we're all in the circumstances. Winston Churchill once said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Many of us stop in the middle. We've got to keep going. So what I like about this text is Ezekiel persevered. He did just stop in the, the middle of the dry bones. God said to preach. And guess what he did? He OK, God, you want me to preach to these dead bones? I'll do it. So he preached God's word. He kept doing God's will and he persevered. And that leads us to step four. Receive the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. We've already alluded to this. Who can breathe life even into your lifeless dreams. Many of us, our dreams have died. Some of us, our dreams are like in the ER. And they're on a life support. They're on a ventilator. But you know what? When God breathes life again... Even the most impossible situations become possible. I think that's what Ezekiel tells us. So what was Ezekiel's message? Let's move on to step four, or point number four. Is every Christian is a living testimony that God can bring dead things back to life again. We've already alluded to Ephesians 2. Did you know that your life is a picture of Ezekiel 37? You were dead, but now you're living. Think about like this. God's got a plan, even if you don't see it. And he's already done the miracle of a resurrection in your life. So why do you sweat the small problems? If God has already rescued you from hell and God's given you eternal life, why are you sweating the light bill? Why are you sweating the doctor's report? Because he's already taking care of eternity. Will he not take care of the day to day? Can I get uh huh? So let's look at let's look at Ezekiel's message. And this is not in your outline, but you're welcome to write this down. His message, basically six main things was in his message. Number one, God says, you are my people. If you look at verse 11, it says, behold, oh, my people. So God said, you're my people. Isn't that an encouraging message to dead bones? You're my people. You may feel dead. You may feel down and out. But guess what? You are my people. The second message is I am the God who raises the dead. You read on in Ezekiel verse 11, I will open your graves and cause you to come out from your graves. Isn't it exciting to know that this is also, by way of application, this is illustrative of even when we die and our bones are in the grave, guess what, there will be a rapture. God will raise the dead bones, or dust, or whatever remains, and we have a glorified body that lives forever. I mean, I don't know about you, but that's exciting. The the grave is not the end of us. The third point in his message is, I will raise you up so that I can bring you back. I will raise you up so I can bring you back. Read on it in Ezekiel. It says, I will bring you back into the land of Israel. How many of you need to be brought back to where God has you? Some of you feel like you've gotten off the path that God has for you. Did you know that God, once he raises you up, he brings you back? Number four, if you want your dreams to come true, you have to wake up. If you want your dreams to come true, you have to wake up. It says, look at what God does here. It says in the text I'm quoting, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. How many of us who are spirit filled believers walk around like we're dead? How many churches you go in and the services are dead? I mean, it's almost like an Ezekiel 37 message to certain churches you go And people are sitting there almost like discombobulated. And it's like, if the spirit of God is in you, you should be not that life's perfect, but you should be breathing in and out the the breath. And every word you say, Jesus said, my words are spirit, my words are life. So we're speaking God's words of life. We're living it. God lives inside of us. And if someone so big as God lives inside of us, it should show. And people should see that we're not dead men walking, but we're this living soldier. We're this living army. The Fifth point in his message I see from verses 11 through 14 is I will help you find where you belong and place the call home. It goes on to talk about Israel and it says, and I will place you in your own land. Did you know that God has a place for you in his kingdom? Did you know that his land his kingdom, when you become Christ's follower, you become part of his kingdom and he has a place for you. There's a place for you at the table. Can you imagine one day you'll be sitting with the king of kings? One day you'll be sitting with all those who have been saved throughout the, the centuries of Christianity. And you'll, you'll be sitting next to kings and queens and different people, all types of people and plumbers and mechanics. and Everybody, it's equal at the footing of the cross. And you will partake of the marriage supper of the Lamb. I, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. And the sixth point is the, the result of bringing you back and your dreams come to life. It, Jesus, in the scripture, the Father says you will know God better and you'll believe in his miracles. Look, look at verse 14. I'm going to read that to you. We've, we've read already, I'll put my spirit in you. You shall live. I will place you in your own land. And here's the phrase I'm referring to. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, I, Yahweh, the Lord, have spoken and shall perform it, says the Lord. So here's the thing. When dead things come back to life again, all of a sudden you see dreams resurrected. You see impossible situations. All of a sudden it's like God has this magic eraser and he erases the I am out of your impossible. And it becomes possible. With God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen. On Wednesday nights, I joke with a lot of the men and women. I, I quote Acts 2:17 and 18. It says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit, the same spirit we're talking about. And it says, your young men will see visions. Do I have any young men with visions out there? Say, uh-huh. And it says, your old men will dream dreams. Do I have any old men dreaming dreams out there? <laughs> All right. Now well, think about it. Dreaming dreams is the sport of a young man, right? Not so when you're spirit-filled. Because when you're spirit filled, you dream a dream that's inside of a dream that's inside of a dream that lasts beyond your lifetime. It's kingdom dreams. You realize that when you take your last breath on earth, that's not your last breath. Many of you are setting up a legacy that will continue on 100 years from now, should the Lord tarry. I'm ready for old men and old women to be young at heart, to dream dreams that live beyond their lifetime. That's a result of being spirit filled. So let's review this passage in Ezekiel, we've covered a lot of, a lot of ground. Every great dream starts with a nightmare. Some of you may be in the nightmare phase of your life, and that's okay. Every dream starts with a nightmare. Number two, every great miracle is preceded by great impossibilities. Are you facing impossibilities? Do you need God to take his magic eraser and erase the I am off and make the impossible possible? And every impossible mess can be turned into a a possible miracle. And finally, this is you and I. This is the application. Every Christian is a living testimony that God can bring dead things back to life again. So I went to the lost and found, and your dream that was lost is now found. And God can bring it back to life again. Let's pray. Father, your word is powerful and is true. And Lord, Sunday night and into Monday, a week ago, you gave me this message to speak to your people, because I believe there's some people within the sound of my voice and perhaps those listening on the podcast that need hope, that need to know that you're the God who resurrects dead things. You're the God who speaks things to existence as though they're not. And then they become it into existence. And God, we as the church who have the Spirit of God living inside of us, we should speak the words of life. It's not that life's going to be easy. Life will be hard. Life will be difficult. In this world, we will have troubles. But thank you, Father. You've given us victory. So with everyone in the spirit of prayer right now, no one looking around, I want to talk to the Christians first. Would there be a fellow brother or sister who would say, Timothy, I've had dreams that have died and currently... I'm facing impossible situations that I need God to step into my time and my space and do what he did in Ezekiel 37 to breathe his breath and his spirit into a lifeless situation. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm raising my hands with you. Father, you see the hands. You see the hearts. God, whatever thing that's keeping us from the dreams that you've given us coming to pass, I pray that you would Lay aside every barrier. Help us to realize that with God, there are no impossible situation or people. Speak hope, Father, to your church. And as the church is praying, if there be one here today that would say, Timothy, I'm still those dry bones. I'm living, I'm moving, I got the skeletal structure, the support, but I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. And friend, it's really simple. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, you're willing to turn from your sin, and you will, and you give your life to Christ, the Bible says if you'll do that, He will breathe His Holy Spirit. He will write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you will have a new life and a new start. Your past will be erased, and your future will be determined as a follower of God that your name's in the Book of Life, and that the, ter- the, the determined future is this that one day we'll spend eternity with Him in heaven. That's an amazing future. So if that's you, no magic words, just in your heart. Say, Jesus, I'm those dry bones. I need new life. Jesus, I believe that you're Lord and your Savior and your God. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would step out of heaven and into my heart. I pray that you would fill me with this life-given Spirit. I make you my Lord and Savior. Father, you hear our prayers. I pray that you would breathe new life into this church, new life into our families, new life into the business owners, new life into the marriages, new life into the children, the grandchildren. Breathe new life like only you can. And we will give you the thanks and the praise forever. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. If you guys will stand, we're going to have our closing song. If you have an impossible situation, An impossible mess. Just know that we're up here to pray for you. That God can turn your impossible mess into a possible miracle. I'll be at the front, Judy and Adam, if you guys have a prayer. Respond as the Lord leads.